0: inevitability of what god does i i I actually get concerned friends when people tell me that they spend a lot of time in prayer and don't change and become more like jesus it's inevitable that if you spend a lot of time with god you're going to get more like him because he comes close to you as well and that's why lots of us don't spend time in prayer because sometimes he's got a lot to say to us about changing ourselves to be more like him the second thing is that we need to hone in on specific personal needs. And we've done that a little bit already in, uh, in prayer downstairs and even as Christian letters on the back of our worship time this morning. And there are personal needs around the room. Don't overly personalize this season. I'll say it again. I said it last Sunday night. Respectfully, don't just pray for your family, as important as your family is. But see a bigger picture. But the personal needs that sit around your world press into in jesus name and the third thing is because the challenge of the hour is great friends and as we've said recently in christian particularly the stakes are high very high and the context of the verses that i read to you is that when we use prayer and fasting we actually operate them as spiritual weapons and in fasting we lay aside something of the natural the desire to eat to press in to the spiritual passion and pursuit after God. And it rails against us because it's not a natural thing to do. And that's why we need the grace of God to help us press through into it. But we begin to press into exercising not which is earthly and carnal and never lasts, but which is spiritual and eternal and changes things forever. On Thursday afternoon, I had an invite along with a a relatively small group of Christian leaders from across the East Midlands and a little bit beyond to meet with the Maranatha community. Some of you may have read some of their writings over the years, but they're a wonderfully godly group of people. And uh, over the last 30 years, they've sought both forensically and with painstaking observation to look at what is taking place in the world and then seek to factually document it and bring it to help people to pray 20 years ago they produced a document called the sound the alarm that ended up being published and printed by into seven and a half million copies many of that which went beyond the church constituency and at this present time and maybe one of the reasons for the forum on thursday they producing an updated document called the struggle for the soul of our nation it was a encouraging afternoon it was an uncomfortable afternoon also and of course the danger of all that and I really want to make one or two points but realize it wasn't doom laden these people aren't just trying to put gloom and despondency on people but they carry a prophetic passion for the heart of our nation let's just talk about our nation for a moment but in that document it reminded us that the cost of family breakdown in 2013 in the United Kingdom was 46 billion pounds That there are over 1 billion pounds per year spent on the most disadvantaged 5,000 children that are in care in institutions around our nation. That is 200,000 pounds per child. That in 2012, 1.2 million women suffered domestic abuse in our nation. And I want to say publicly today, friends, I'm appalled. And, And we repent before God in the way that women have been treated globally across our world, even this week and God loves women there's neither man nor woman the Bible says at the end of Galatians 3 regarding the kingdom and we need to be very careful in the Christian faith that we don't demean in the way that we've seen this week in appalling ways I'm so glad that the Merriam case from Sudan has hit the press I was utterly frustrated thank God for organizations like Christian Solidarity Worldwide that have worked tirelessly but thank God for the times they had it on their front leader column on Friday and yesterday. And guess what? Prime Minister Cameron's all over the news last night saying he doesn't agree with it. It'd be nice if he'd have said it two weeks ago. But at least we've got something out there. And here again, friends, in our nation, on the doorstep of our churches, up and down this M1 corridor, we, we have people on the end of that. And if you've ever been on the end of it, ladies, I want to say God loves you. He loves you with a passion. And he doesn't want what you've experienced to be skewed out of balance from what he is to you, which is a loving father that brings you to a place of restoration and healing. They're reminding us also that out there, friends, on the World Wide Web, I was talking to Hank just this morning about how we can use social media for good and for bad. And, uh, and uh, I determined to use Twitter for good, for encouragement. I refused to get on there and get involved in banter, in quotes, I use it, friends, to encourage people and thank God for Twitter because if you want to do a rant, at least you're limited to 140 characters. So you've got to get it over quick. But there are 9,500 websites out there, friends, that are committed to images that reflect child abuse and I can't complete the quote that's in the document because we're in a public place this morning. And the total, total personal debt in the UK up until last year was 1.4 1.43 trillion pounds. I'm not sure how to even work out a trillion, but if a million six then if you add another six you're going well. <clears throat> and I'll mention it tonight but uh, the leader column in the a week last Wednesday that's the paper that covers the Ashfield area was on the fact that 40% of people that live in the Ashfield area feel they are under financial constraints. And in the last four years, Citizens Advice Bureau, just in Ashfield, have dealt with people coming to them with £34 million worth of debt. I say all these things, friends, not to push us down and for your, for your, for your neck to go into your shoulders, but to realize that one of the reasons we're, we're setting into this uh, season of, of fasting is to see change one of the things that was said on, on Wednesday was, uh, Thursday was that the church so often wants to anesthetize itself from pain. Well, I, I thought that we were rooted in a cross. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus went to the cross and he went through it to bring us victory. And so often we can shut our eyes and ears and say, I wish it wasn't happening. It's happening. What are some of the factors for all of this at the moment? Not only in our locality, in our nation, but across the world. Well, there's a dismissal of God. Atheism, there is a rising tide of atheism. Atheism has increased in Europe over the last few years by 400%. You've probably found in your world of work that you've got more people saying, Don't talk to me, I'm an atheist. And it seems to be more apparent a dismissal of God, that's what it means, an unbelieving God. A rejection of absolutes, relativism. There is no such thing as the church being able to say that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And do you know, friends, there are forces out there that would gladly close the church down today to stop us saying so. There are people out there, friends, with their pretensions and knowledge that want to obliterate God from our nation. And there's a projection of self-humanism or individualism. With increasingly numbers of people coming in the press, determining where they're going to die, and they gather a following. The Bible says, "Our times are in His hands, friends." And be very, very careful. Be very, very careful. I process this because some of you know that I had a sick mother for 11 years. That uh, after a devastating stroke, never spoke, never walked, or never fed herself um, in a apart from artificial means. And for those things to continue to be straight from and say, this person's no worth anymore, I'll tell you what, let's give her an injection and get rid of her. At times, we're in God's hands. She was able to appropriate things, friends, in her spirit and in her heart. that were far deeper than what was expressed on the outside. We're on a slippery slope when people determine when they're going to take life, 200,000 abortions in the UK last year, and when we're going to also take our life at the end. It's in his hands. And we need to trust him. So these are some of the things. Unless you feel that this was a doom laden thing, it wasn't, because the whole passion was out of facts and out of the reality of where we are spiritually in our nation. It was to give hope. It was to sit and to listen to the Lord. And one of the things that we need to do, friends, in this season is to listen. I was talking to one of the one of our friends up in, in Mansfield yesterday. And sometimes, friends, to get out in the fresh air, three things happen to me. Number one, I listen to God. Number two, I listen to the stillness. And if you're a person that likes to get in the fresh air, then don't take your music with you. Listen to what's happening. And number three, I listen to myself. And I don't always like what I hear from myself. And I have to process that. Under this season, we need to listen. We need to find out, friends, what God is doing and what God wants to do. We need to listen. And I believe that fasting will help us to attune our ear better to listen to the Lord. And we need to run. We need to run with action. It was Mother Teresa says that if you pray without serving, your prayer is in vain. But if you serve without praying, your serving is in vain. And I'm thankful, friends, that as I was there on Thursday afternoon, I just felt again again, that God encouraged me. I didn't get the message ready to Friday for deliberate reasons to affirm what is taking place in Arena Church that combines both prayer and action. I want to thank God that downstairs we have that strap line to go and grow and to love and serve because the passion of the Maranatha community was to give hope was to give hope. And I believe that Arena Church, one of its mandates, friends, is to give hope. So last week, on the back of this gloomy backcloth, some of the leaders were talking about how they were in Merseyside and Manchester, seeing incredible Christian projects that were taking place that were giving hope. One young man spoke to them that's been restored and found a faith in Jesus, and he's now serving in the project. He came from a gangster family. By the age of nine, he was an alcoholic. And God has turned him around and completely changed his life. And I want to say, friends, that Gary Rucci came here, and and Christian reflected this to Gary recently. Gary Rucci, a fellow member, colleague, friend of the National Leadership Team, came to us about three years ago and says, the sign of a missional church is this, that if your church wasn't operating tomorrow morning, would it be missed? Let's ask that about Ilkeston. If Arena Church this morning, friends, says this is the last service, guys, we're finished. We're closing it down. Would we be missed? The answer is unequivocally yes. Hundreds of people are being ministered to in this area every week. And they are receiving hope. And I want to encourage us to continue to be purveyors of hope. I don't know if you can remember the old butchers going down the high street. But it used to say, John, Smith, and Son. You know, you're going to be a butcher even if you don't want to be lad. You know, but John, Smith, and Son purveyors of fine meats can you remember it's, it so they were the go-between between the farm and the public the butcher and i want to say friends that between god and his love and uh, and the community out there we find church the hope of the world purveyors of hope carrying hope and i want to say two things as i'm as i as i, as I, as I just move on from this micah 7 Verse 11 says, heed the rod. The rod in the Bible speaks about authority. And I want to tell you that the reason that it's working, in a, I'm talking about Arena Real Christian particularly that now, the reason that our projects are working, that are reaching hundreds of people on a regular basis, is they sit under authority. And if I can be bold this morning, they sit under this man's authority as he sits under Jesus Christ's authority. And here's what I just feel this morning, that if any of us ever take it away from the authority of God, it will go away from us so quick, we wonder what's happened. We must heed the rod. We must heed the rod. Whoever we are, whatever we're doing, we must continually submit to the authority that God has placed over what he is doing to enable us to be purveyors of hope. A Christian, I just felt a word and just fascinated because I've written down in my notes, which I wrote on Friday, holy frustration. If you've mentioned the word frustration once this morning, you've mentioned it a thousand times, both downstairs and upstairs. Notice for me, it's not frustration, but it's holy frustration. And I just felt that in all of this, God was saying to you that sometimes you want that holy frustration to go away, but God actually says it's going to intensify. Sorry. It's going to intensify. And what I saw was you were like a container. You know how sometimes some of you may have containers or jars in your in your kitchen or maybe it, it, for bigger situations in the shed. And you put a label on it. So it's containing the particular thing. And all I saw, Christian, was your life with a label on it that said holy frustration. And God's continually causing you to carry that. It will intensify, it'll intensify in this season of fasting for change. And uh, you've got to keep pouring it out. Now, you understand in the Bible that pouring out means cost every time. So it's going to be costly. And I don't quite know what that means, but it's going to be a costly journey for you. And I say that carefully. But if you'll respond to it, if you'll process it, if you'll keep pouring out, then you'll take enemy territory and serve community in a way that will be immense. Immense. And some of you are going to have the joy of being a part of that by sitting under the authority of what he carries. Don't take it to yourself. Heed the rod. I've got one or two things to say about Mansfield, but we're in Elkiston. So let me come back to the text in case you forgot it. Thought I forgot it. Four things briefly, and there will be bullet points. Four things. From the text this morning in this season of fasting for change. Number one, the certainty of the enemy. For though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. It doesn't say we don't wage war. It says that we don't wage war as the world does. Someone said once that the church needs to be on a war footing. The certainty of the enemy. I wish I could get up this morning, friends, as a preacher of God's word and say the devil wasn't real. And he's not alive. But I can't. I can't. And the reality was, and we don't have time to pursue it this morning, that his kingdom of darkness was established on rebellion. You get little insights in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 about Lucifer, the leader of worship in the heavenlies, wanting to be like God. And God says, no way. No one shares my glory. And this huge rebellion that took place in the heavenlies, this mystical uh, rejection of the purpose of God. Little wonder, friends, that we see rebellion all around us. It's the very foundation stone of the kingdom of darkness. And the enemy is real, and some of you know how real he is. And you're rejoicing in God this morning as we the holy hands that so there's been a turnaround in your life. But the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He has no sentiment about it. If he can take you out, if he can devastate you, if he can wreck you by booze or drugs or illicit relationships, he'll do all of that and more. But I am come that you might have life and have it in all of its fullness. The certainty of the enemy. Secondly, the strategy that is employed is an organized kingdom. I think Christian made reference to this two weeks ago, but in Daniel chapter 10, we find that t- Daniel was praying for 21 days. And in the vision, the messenger came to him and said, I heard you on the first day. But the king of Persia, almost certainly friends, referring to something resistant in the heavenlies, has sought to withstand me for 21 days. It's taken three weeks to get the breakthrough. It's an organized kingdom of darkness that will resist us all it can and it's an opposing kingdom as well as an organized kingdom and the bible reminds us of that in those verses and if you go to 2 corinthians 2 and verse 11 it says that we are not unaware of his schemes we don't have time this morning to open that up but we are not unaware of his schemes we know how he operates and we need to be wise in terms of how we respond to it The third thing is, friends, the tenacity. How do we respond to that? How do we respond to a a certainty of an enemy and a strategy that he employs? And he employs it all the time. We respond in one way. There's many ways. But one of the ways that we respond in terms of the context of this message is the tenacity of fasting and prayer. It's a spiritual weapon. That's why so often we don't feel like doing it. We don't feel like doing it. It's a spiritual weapon. It comes from here. And in Luke's gospel, there are three specific responses to how people uh, engaged in this. Firstly, there was insisting. In Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 10, the man goes, uh, the context was praying and breaking through. The man goes to his friend and says, I've just got some folks arrived. Last minute, no bread in the house. My paraphrase, but this is literally what's being said. No bread in the house. His neighbor says, clear off. I'm watching the telly. Clear off. But he kept asking. And he goes on to say in verse 8, because of your shameless audacity, you will sh- I will surely get up and give you what you need. In other words, there was an insisting of what God is doing. I say, asking it will be given you. Seeking you will find not, and it will be opened unto you. Some of you start needing to freshly be insisting. On the purposes that sit over your life. Insisting on those prophetic words to come to being. Insisting that the enemy takes his hand off your kids. Insisting that the purposes of the Lord are worked through. You've got to break through. Because you might find somebody saying, in the middle of it, trying to get to God and you clear off. But you need to press through. Insisting. The second thing is battling. Luke chapter 11 verse 21. When a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his positions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the arm, armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather scatters. There's got to be some pressing through. There's got to be some battling because there are people doing this all over properties that should be God's and they think belong to them. And they need to be disarmed by one who is stronger. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we see a disarming of principalities and powers. And a possessing of what God has called us to take hold of. And thirdly, there's a persisting in Luke 18. Because in Luke 18, Jesus tells another story and says, I want you to pray and never give up. And he tells the story of the lady that went to the unfair judge. And again, because she kept pressing through and pressing through. He heard her. This is not, friends, a reluctant God that says, you know what, I've got my arms crossed in heaven. I don't fancy blessing that arena church. What it is, friends, is recognizing that we need to press through that which will stop us at times seeking to get to God so that he might do what he wants to do with lavish blessing and goodness and mercy and grace. The tenacity of prayer and fasting. And fourthly, the victory that is possible. Thank God we finished, friends, on a really positive note. God has called us to victory. Not a triumphalism, which is talking about victory when we're not experiencing it. But real victory. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse 15, that Jesus has disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them through the cross. He says in Hebrews 2.14 that by his death, he has brought the power of him who holds death That is the devil. And 1 John 3 8 says that the reason the Son of God was given to the earth was to destroy the works of the enemy. That's why Jesus came, friends, to cause the Church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century to arise up and take all of what it's meant to be and live in victory. But it's not easy. And so often we want it to be easy, we want it to be nice. We want it to be safe. We want it to fit in with us. God says, no, no, that's going to happen. Intensity with normality. But not diluting the passion of June 9 to 29, which is pressing into the more of God. Denying ourselves on occasions that which is natural food for the cause of the call, to implement the components and to see that we live with a great challenge. As we close, what can we expect well, we can expect resistance. And I'm not suggesting, France that somebody's going to barge through the tour with, you know, fork, fork in his hand and, and fire burning. But there's still a small voice that says this to you about two days in this is a complete waste of time. And nothing is going to change. And we can buy that and say, well, maybe it is. There will be resistance, there will be emotion. What was the first thing that Nehemiah did, friends, when he heard about the devastation of his sister? He wept. And when he did a reconnoiter of the walls, chapter 2, he doesn't openly talk, but I believe, friends, with all my heart, that this great leader took time to cry at the ruins. To cry at the ruins. And we thank God, friends, for all that he's doing. But even where we live... And we're glad to live in the East Midlands. And we're glad to live in the East M1 Corridor. And we're glad to be here this morning. We need to take moments during this season to cry at the ruins. And I say to guys that are emotionally locked up, because that's not your thing, let God come to you. Let God come to you. Let him overwhelm you with his presence. And cry at the ruins. We'll feel, hopefully, humility Remember last week I said that one of the reasons for fasting in Psalm 35 was humility. Humility is not denying what you are, but it's allowing God to be exalted more than ever you would be. I believe that we'll know direction. I believe that we'll know times of sitting to enable us to move into times of running. And I believe that will come to the church, but I also believe it will come to people here. And often it will come by a nudge. And your immediate instinct is, Ooh, not me. But you see, as we're pressing to God, the nudge becomes insistent. Oh, if God didn't keep nudging me, and he does. The insistent nudge of God. I believe, friends, that during this season, we'll know breakthroughs. We're believing for breakthroughs in divine healing. And we believe in divine healing, not spiritual healing, divine healing where the risen lord jesus this week ascension day the risen lord jesus going back to the right hand of the father authority will come and break in in amazing ways with the power of his spirit and heal people for the glory of god we're believing for breakthroughs in finance and if you've got to a place where you say i can never get out of this let's believe june 9 to 29 by the end of it you've got out of it somehow friends god begins to give you a way ahead that means that you can live different in the future to what you've lived in the past. We believe in breakthroughs in circumstance, those giants that emerge over your life, and it seems impossible. The circumstance seems impossible. Maybe the circumstance is that you've got an unsafe partner. It's impossible that they're ever going to get saved. Maybe the circumstance, friends, is something at work that is so impossible, and God comes. And begins to change circumstances for the glory of God. And I believe that we can expect victory. John says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So Arena Church, we've done our best over these three Sunday mornings. May there be, in whatever way is appropriate to your response to the Lord out of the ministry, may there be a rising up of prayer and a fasting in this season that takes hold of the authority and call that God has called us to be, the church militant, that sees victories that only Jesus Christ could bring about, so the church triumphant, it becomes increasingly possible when we engage with fasting for change.